0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Can You Hear Me podcast. I'm Rob Johnson, president of Rob Johnson Communications.
1: And I'm Eileen Rochford, CEO of the marketing and strategy firm, The Harbinger Group. As you may be aware, recently here on Can You Hear Me, we decided to devote a series of podcasts to refreshing your core communications elements. So we've already discussed how to get your internal house in order and making sure your spokespeople are media ready. Today, we're going to talk about communicating clearly during a crisis. And to frame this, we're going to highlight a recent crisis situation that's been all over the news. The tragic, toxic, and environmentally hazardous Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio.
0: You know, Eileen, this tragic event happened on the night of February 3rd, spilling volatile organic compounds, vinyl chloride, and butyl acrylate. The timeline of this environmental disaster includes an evacuation order, controlled burn of rail cars by Norfolk Southern, residents reporting coming down with rashes and nausea, a town hall meeting with officials at which Norfolk Southern didn't show citing the safety of their representatives. The Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, first sending Norfolk Southern a legally binding notice to pay for the cleanup, then threatening a fine if they did not. And then another town hall meeting at which the rail line CEO, Alan Shaw, did show to answer tough, emotional questions.
1: So there is a whole lot to unpack here, and we're very fortunate to have crisis communications expert and friend of the podcast, Harlan Loeb, here to help us. Harlan, if uh, you remember, listeners, was on the second show we ever did here at Can You Hear Me? And Now he is back today for episode forty. Hello, Harlan.
2: How are you? And I've, I've I've wondered if you could hear me from that episode till now. If you could hear me,
1: because <laughs> I, I would watch to. you.
0: I would opine on whether or not I agreed with what you were saying.
1: Well, oh, we I'm we heard you. Here.
0: Listen, anybody that has input, we're like this is fantastic. So <laughs> so we we did we did we, yes. did we did appreciate it, and we figured you know we had you on episode two. It's episode 40. It's not like we're throwing you on every week. Um, and so <laughs> this particular topic is right in your wheelhouse, as we know yeah,
1: It, it sure it, yes. is. So we just teed up um, a little bit about Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw finally showing up to the town hall on this disaster. Um, in your estimation, Harlan, where has Alan Shaw fallen short in this entire situation?
2: Uh, I, I think the 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 way to phrase it, at least in my world, is where hasn't he fallen short? Uh, I, I, I you know it's almost a month into this, and at every critical inflection point, Shaw's ability or inability to 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 lead from the front and to own this tragic tragic issue and crisis has been just appalling, just inexcusably appalling. He. It, it, written statements, you know, written kind of tactical statements that really said nothing, that we take this seriously as compared to what? Um, (laughs) It it was just, it was unfathomable that that one of two things, unfathomable that he wasn't prepared to do this and to take this on or, and or didn't appoint somebody else who really knows how to communicate to critical
1: publics. This is
0: all the time you do this all the time, Harlan, and and I'm stunned that a multi-billion-dollar corporation like Norfolk Southern has handled it in this manner. Not only a crisis situation, but one where an entire community is at risk, and you 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 know you're inches away from these kinds of issues all the time, and and use the word unfathomable, and I totally agree with you, but how in the world could somebody be getting this kind of advice that works for a company that big that I'm sure has people either on retainer or people in their employ that are supposed to be looking around the corners for these things?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you would think, given the nature of what they do and the, what they're transporting, and it was, they weren't transporting cattle, I mean, which would be tragic also, uh, they, were, they were transporting heavy-duty chemicals of, of Of with considerable consequence, some of it you know hard to measure in terms of how long that lasts, what do the plumes look like, and so forth. so if you if you you know break it down to its, it, it, you know break it down to its component parts, you know Alan Shaw was not the person um, not at all the person to to be leading this. just as we if you recall the BP. You know the BP uh, spill. You know the huge spill and the incompetence uh, of the leader there. To just, who said, "I just want my life back"? Said that in the first few, like week or two. I want. I just want my life back. No, you don't. You know that's not your prerogative. Mm-mm. So as we look at this, we look at this, and there's a lot in it that is that, as you say, needs to be unpacked. It's you know the first four weeks. Why didn't they switch somebody else in? Why didn't they retain this is what we why didn't they retain an objective uh like we did when we worked on the Penn State fiasco uh, years ago? Somebody who's unassailably objective, who's overseeing what's happening and is per, and he or she and his team are providing counsel and you're moving Alan Shaw back out. He's just not capable. You're moving Alan Shaw back into dealing with what he needs to deal with internally and dealing with the, you know, the the huge consequences financially um, for the, for the organization. I mean, for the, for the, uh, re- that railroad, uh, he just, it just was clear that he was fully incompetent and nobody within Northwick, South Northwark Southern or anybody, anybody in the, you know, in the, in the, you know, in the space jumped in. He did, it wasn't, there wasn't, you would think at least there would be somebody who was the, the, the PR person or somebody within the organization who could at least be the face of it because his ability to do it was non-existent.
1: I am a little shocked by the fact that his personal LinkedIn page still continues to post content. That's um, fluff. It is. It's, it's, and, I, I, I'm, and I've seen not one thing posted on his personal um, page about this situation. Not one thing.
2: Now, and he goes on. You know, if you've seen him. He was on CNN and CNBC, and you know the 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 dribble that he was putting out was just it. Just each each inflection point that involves Alan Shaw makes the situation reputationally worse. Yeah. The reputational you know impact of how he's speaking, how he's engaging, what he what he's not saying, what you know the the. If you're alan shaw you need to have the plan within 24 hours of exactly how this is going to go and what you're going to do and it has to be very clear
0: and that's the point that's that that's the point that shocks me right there later in this podcast we're going to get to what should companies be doing we're going to look forward past this crisis that we're talking about right now but as it relates to that how i mean you're this company how have you not gamed for this scenario how have you not planned for this scenario knowing that you are carrying hazardous materials across the country. And, and, and you were talking about the 24 hour thing. I would, I'm, I'm even thinking about less time than that. Like who's the person on site? You know, you have your, your, your internal group. Everybody knows the minute something bad happens, they know, all right, we're gonna have a meeting. We know exactly what everybody's going to do. How could a company like this be so ill prepared for something of this magnitude where they don't, they can't even respond in 24 hours, and some would argue that a month later the response has been pretty minimal.
2: right. And that' that's the most probative question I think that that, that that we need to kind of examine is you would have you would think, uh, and I think other other railroads do, you would think that they would have the ability, just like any other kind of um, you know, any other organization that has a rapid response team. Um, and has a rapid response team that can get, it can be on site within hours would be there, would be there to begin, you know, from it, in every one who's gonna be talking about what they're discovering, what they're learning, so that they can, they can convert that. I mean, the news media of all kinds wants to, needs to hear that, wants to hear that. That's where you embolden your credentials by making sure that you're communicating, whether it's, you know, it's horribly bad news, but you're communicating what this is and what it means.
0: And that's you gain what people, credibility, you gain credibility right? by it's doing the it. only
2: way to, it's the only way to be credible. And in some sense. There should have been some type of audible if Alan Shaw couldn't at least direct some of that, the audible should be OK, we're going to we're going to pivot this to the to the rapid response team that knows exactly what's happening and they can they can communicate what's happening. It's a little bit it's it's not as it's a tactical it's a tactical move, but it's a critical tactical move. To make sure that people understand what this means, how this happens, how frequently you know trains derail with this kind, with that kind of content in their you know in in uh, in their uh, in their cars and so forth. So to me, it was a, you know a double whammy in that the the CEO was not capable of leading from the front, and the the go team, the tactical team, was to my you know knowledge non-existent. So you you've created it's a crisis in and of itself that it derailed. But you you you, you so animated and extended the, the depth of that crisis in every sense, financially, reputationally, organizationally, uh, that you've, you've taken a terrible crisis and made it a mega crisis. Yep.
1: What does this say about their board, Harlan? So
2: the that's a great that, question. Yeah, so after, sorry, please a, answer. Very good question. And one, I immediately... When I was, I got somebody who asked me about that yesterday. The board should have taken, I mean, the board ha, needs to be present. And when Alan Shaw, after let's just say week one, was just not capable of leading, leading from the front, the board needed to step in and they didn't. And yet it's, it's literally, you're like, it's folly, you know, this is incredible. It's like one foible after the next in terms of, of what it is they're not doing. And so, you know, this is one of those, and I want to go to the end here again because it's too exciting. We're in the midst of it.
1: <laughs> no jumping um, ahead.
2: Yeah. But it, it's, you know, a week into it, the board should have said, we now move them off, move, move Alan Shaw off, have, you know, this person, you know, stand in and have somebody who can prep that person within a, an hour to have that person totally prepped for what they're going to say, you know, mm-hmm. what they're going to say and how they're going to maintain some cadence, some consistency in, you know, what they're doing, how they answer their questions. I mean, when you look at the CNN and CNBC work, it's just awful. It's like dribble. I mean, I know that's harsh, but it's, I, I, I can't say that. I mean, I, well, I use the, I want my life back. That's probably the most, you know, the other, you know, the other, you know, hanging Chad that kind of really disturbed me. Like, he's, he he's, he's not, you know, he's, 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 I mean, it, it looks like, like in some ways he's making it like, this is, you know, that he's the, he's the one who's suffering as compared to the rest of the population. And the, and the <laughs> last thing, but
0: before we move on off of, of this particular thing with Alan Shaw, I just want to, I just want to kind of remind people out there in my former life as a TV journalist, and Harlan and and Eileen, you both know this as well. I mean, I'm not saying anything that nobody knows, but if there's if if you have a chance to fill in the gaps on earned media, and this is a different kind of earned media, it's because they're coming to you and like, hey, uh, what's going on? If you don't, if there's silence, they're gonna fill in. They're gonna fill in that silence with somebody else. If you say no comment, if you're if you don't look like you're trying to play ball, and the, and the the point you made earlier, Harlan, is very valid. It's You can't tell everybody about every part of the investigation, but if it looks like you're trying, and then if it gets to the point and you have to say I have to defer to the authorities because that may be relevant or whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be, most journalists who are fair-minded are going to be like, that's reasonable. If you have run for the hills and we can't find you and we can't get a quote from you and we can't get boo from you, we are going to go find somebody else that will. And yep. they're likely to say something that is absolutely 180 degrees from what you want to put out there. Correct. Spot on, Rob. So it's it's it, it is it is shocking. So I don't want to dive because this is such a corporate crisis kind of issue, but I do want to talk about it as it relates to Alan Shaw and his executive team, who apparently did very little to reach out to leaders on both sides of the aisle um, in you know um, in Congress. How has this played out? politically, especially for the Biden administration. We know he hasn't the, the president hasn't shown up, but we also know the Environmental Protection Agency has been very pointed in its criticism of Norfolk Southern.
2: Yeah, the EPA I thought was has been and and right out of the gate, uh extraordinary. Uh and the EPA has had over the years and years has has had issues. And the EPA has been, in my view, the most uh most compelling, the most, you know, active, active of all the different agencies. And EPA is obviously the one that would be, the you know, in the front row and dealing with this. But the EPA's kind of the zeal in which they, they've they been operating and what, and the, and this is where I think it really, it really is a is a, a bit of a, you know, a stranglehold on the Biden administration is the EPA got right in there and no, you know, the EPA Obviously knows what the remit is and so forth, and they were very vocal about it, and they were v- extraordinarily visible and prominent. And the Biden administration, particularly if something of this magnitude, the fact that uh, President Biden didn't make it down there and felt like spending 24 hours in Ukraine was a better idea, um, you know, you know, you got to start with your, you got to start at home, and I, I just don't understand why he didn't get down there, and I mean. There's got to be some reason and make some statement, even if he was there for, I don't know, two hours and he had hel- helicoptered in and helicoptered back or however he travels these days, just absolutely inexcusable, just a big, and I, I, I'm not, I'm seeing a lot of, um, tur- I think we all are a lot of turbulence, you know, the Republicans are, are obviously activating very, uh, you know, very aggressively and understandably so, uh, and Biden is just, hasn't said anything. Biden is just kind of a well, wobble, well, you know, this too shall pass, which is not, you know, just not right, not correct. Um, so as you look at it, just the, the, the parade of incompetence, uh, is just unbelievable on so many different fronts that you just, re- I've rarely seen this. I've been doing this kind of work since 1995 and rarely have seen just so many dropped balls, just unbelievable. I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to make this bigger than it is, although it's pretty big, but it's just unfathomable that, you know, that industry where the where if something happens, the consequences are by definition high. The consequences aren't like, okay, you know, we're going to have to fix the, tr- the rails and we'll get that done and then we'll, you know, we'll rake the lawn. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a highly consequential issue, matter that has, in some cases, immeasurable consequences in terms of air quality and other kinds of things that we we just don't know where all those things you know where, where that you know where that's how that's spreading, where it's spreading, and what ultimately it means for the the uh, the community. And they're outraged; they should be. I was listening yesterday to what they had to say, and they literally gave, thank, thankfully gave no you know no room for any of the people uh, anybody on the uh, Norfolk side to say anything because there's nothing that that's valid that Norfolk's saying other than just platitudes.
1: Yeah. yeah. And the c- community probably really doesn't appreciate that this has been turned into a political football. No, I when agree All they want is answers and solutions to a terrible situation that they have been. And um, the way it's gone and I, love. you know,
2: the litigate and you got you immediately, this is any, this isn't unique to this situation, but the fact that they've got 10 to 15 lawsuits filed already, you know, that's a plaintiff's bar type of strategy, but it's, it, it had they been a little bit more, you know, a little bit more directed and so forth, and they were literally leading from the front, yeah, you'd see ten to twelve, or fifteen or whatever, you know, plaintiffs filings. But now that the 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 amount of money that those plaintiffs will be seeking, um, given the environment, they're going to use all these like foibles and all this, you know, the the inability of Norfolk Southern to really do their job, you know, ex- exacerbates considerably what. You're looking at, I mean, I can't give you what the numbers look like, but you're looking at, you know, close to a billion dollars at least as to what they're going to be pushing for. And it'll probably go up from there because of the income, because of the income. Better. And that's what I've seen in other situations. That's what happened at BP. I keep saying BP because it's just that everybody can relate to it despite how long ago it was.
1: Sure, sure. So um, I want to go back to the administration um, for a second. Uh, let me hold on that. We'll go back to the administration in a moment because I'd like to get your take on something there. But staying on the lawsuit aspect of this, so you've touched on the economic impact, and that's clear, and the fact that it will be a distraction in terms of resources at the leadership level in the organization. Talk more about the reputational impact of those lawsuits as they uh, are piling up day by day now.
2: So, if if I'm if I'm that plaintiffs lawyer, and this is what I I mean I this is how I counsel I do a lot of we do a lot of litigation work at Argyle. Um, is that in in if the, the smart plaintiffs lawyers the you know the, the 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 initial filing should tell a story. The initial filing should go through all of the all of the mistakes. That were made in the context of, of this horrible tragedy. You know, this is you know th- that at 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 the time of the at the time of the uh, of the derailment, there should have been uh, as we were saying earlier, there should have been people rapid response in place within three hours, and they they literally go through the storyline, and this is this is what plaintiffs look to show how incompetent uh, Norfolk Southern was on some the kinds of things that they don't happen every day but this is something that you put into your 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 crisis planning there's there, there, i mean i, I feel like I, when i was two years into doing crisis work i would have known that is that in crisis planning you you have I me mean, if you derail the consequences aren't like you just get back on the train i mean it's it's highly consequential so when you ask about what the plaintiff's buyer should be do or the plaintiff's lawyer should be doing is don't immediately go to kind of, you know, the, you know, the, the A and B and C and go through it. Tell the story up front. Make it very clear just how incompetent and, un, you know, and and profound lack of readiness and it, that, that is presented in, in a situation that just doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't be ready for. It's it just, it, you know, the stakes are just too high to say, well, you know, we'll deal with it when it, you know, if it happens. So to me, it's 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 a it's a a great day for plaintiffs' lawyer.
1: Yeah, and for years to come.
2: Yeah, this will go Those cases
1: qu- will be played out and carried by the news media as you know, with every single development in every single case. And so they'll be battling this for years and years and years. Yeah, they will.
2: And the the you know again the the the, mis- the tragedy of it all is, and Rob, you were saying this too, that almost all of it, almost all of what happened was, had the ability to be addressable in compelling terms. You just had to own it. You had to own, you had to own it. And just, and there was kind of like a default or or they were demurring to like, well, you know, we can't really control if we go off the rails. I mean, no one said that, but the, the inability to take something of that magnitude, knowing that if a train carrying those kinds of chemicals derails, everybody knows intuitively my, you know, uh, that that is a, there's huge, the plumes, just everything that's, that that activates is a huge issue. And it's the responsibility of somebody of Norfolk Southern size to know what they're doing. And I just, again, we're, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but it's, it's just so unfathomable that you could have that kind of tragedy and Virtually nobody from the from Norfolk Southern doing much about it other than platitudes.
0: Eileen, Eileen, you wanted to jump in on something uh, further about the administration, I believe.
1: Yeah, simply I'm I'm Sorry. curious. Cheers. What can the administration do to salvage kind of the downward spiral that they're on? Because I would imagine it's in their best interest to do so for lots of reasons but mostly because they, the right thing to do is keep the spotlight on solving this problem for the community of East right. Palestine, right? So what can the administration do in your so, view?
2: That's a great question. At this point, and it seems somewhat parochial, but I think it's critical, given that Biden has, has if you will, kind of stayed in touch with what's happening, I think the administration really needs to help fund the recovery i don't think it's just i don't think it i mean I, it should yeah it should be norfolk southern and also but i think if if biden is smart there should be your there should be a fund a large fund like in the multi multi-millions that is funding um palace east palestine
1: it's almost fronting the money and then making norfolk southern pay back
2: you could do that or you government. could or you could be investing in for example, like the and I used this it was part of my old old job is like you know ground contamination. We don't know what the ground contamination from that looks like. If you look, I mean, just looking at the visual when it first happened, you know, you know the 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 plumes and all of that ground contamination. Who's looking? You know, who's paying for that? Um, the the need to probably re, to to move people into different places outside of East Palestine. Um, there's just a lot the administration. Could be doing in two ways. One, I think that's part of the responsibility of the federal government if it's this consequential and this level of crisis and and health risk. You know, for sure, you know, just breathing the air even to this day is probably high consequential. So I do think the administration should be doing that in any case. But in this one, if Biden wants to essentially rehab his reputation on this event, then. Being very visible about it and being very clear as to exactly what they're providing, what it will do, and ultimately how this, you know, how this, the administration can, can essentially, it, to the extent you can solve this problem, that they solve it in a way that is amenable and hopefully um, in the in the interests of the of the of the citizens of East Palestine.
0: That, that is excellent advice. And I know that you've been touching on it a little bit. What I want to do here is maybe think forward a little bit. So we have identified the problem. We know what a mess it is. But let's talk about the learnings. Like what can other companies learn about this? And what observations have you made while watching this crisis play out as it relates to here's how you do it and here's how you don't do it? Right. Right. So what, should these, so what should other companies be thinking about? You were talking about the rapid response team within three hours. That's very common. And the fact that this organization didn't have one, stunning. But there are, there are protocols in place, and really smart companies are the ones that have already planned for this. It's not Correct. like, oh, gosh, this happened. What do we do now? Let's call Harlan. You're, you're going to be a lot more effective as a crisis manager, Harlan, if you've already planned for this with an organization, and then this happens as opposed to, man, he's the – one of the best in the business. Let's get him because you're still going to be hours behind.
2: Correct. Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's the most it's the most material question that we we can that you know the most material question to dig into. One is that they that a company like that not only needs to have the the crisis plan that specifically deals with a derailment in which there's considerable um, pollution and considerable consequence uh, given the chemicals that are being transported. And it's not just it's not just something in your back file like training on it being absolutely trained. Who does what? Who gets to where? How are you communicating with the you know the administration? How are you how are you communicating with the community on site and the leadership? The mayor of of East Palestine, of the, uh, other other members that in leadership roles, governmental or non governmental businesses within East Palestine. How are you communicating with them? Because there's consequences. For businesses that are in that area, they're going to lose a great deal of money. All of that is gamed out, and not just in a documented but and rehearsed. So you go through, particularly when the concept is high, you go through like what we call you know game activation and simulate frequently a, the different things that need to happen and how they're, they're going to happen, including who's leading and what is that person what is that person prepared to do and what do we need that person to do. How does the? And I want to don't want to say Alan Shaw because I I'm going to say this bluntly. Alan Shaw should be terminated. He should absolutely be let go. The board should 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 say Alan. You know this this is just this is of such consequence and needed such leadership and you weren't able to provide it. They would say that quietly that they let him go. They'd let him go, and the board then find you know find somebody else. Um. So those are the kinds of things that we begin to look at is what you know, how, what does your activation plan look like? How well have you rehearsed it? What are you, what can you say in the, in the context of those actions? Had they, you know, had they had that that kind of go plan or that, you know, that real, real go plan, then that's what Alan Shaw is talking about. He's able to, he or she, I hope it's a she going in there um, when he leaves. He or she can say, this is what we're doing. This is how it's happening. So that that they know that it's not like, it's not just platitudes you know you know written statement which is just unfathomable to me that they would do that because nobody's reading that nobody cares about it like your little i almost used an expletive your you know your little statement
0: we can bleep it out
2: next time i'll do it so you know again it's this isn't like it, it isn't rocket science and if you're a company and this did happen if you're you know you're you're Norfolk Southern and you were spending all this money on like PR beforehand. If you read those articles on the, the PR plan and, you know, Norfolk Southern or living, you know, living large, that's just kind of how it came across. It just makes it even worse. I mean, Actually, like, could you so
1: pause hard. and talk about that for a second? Because I don't know that our listeners are aware. I mean, that dates back to like 2016, 2017, right? This yeah,
2: really started, is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. They started, I don't I'm not even sure what the end game was to be kind of Norfolk mm-hmm. Southern, there was kind of the bold and you know, the bold and the beautiful. Was that like a, was that like a drama? A <laughs> I think that was drama? a
1: soap opera. That was a yeah. soap opera.
2: Yeah, was so that's right. A daytime drama. Cause I want to be very kind of hot about daytime drama. Um Just it, so it's, you know, again, it, they've, they've, there's a lot of like, this is another thing, a lot of like um arrogance in some ways. I mean, that's a, that's a, I know it's a bold thing to say, but some degree of arrogance if you're kind of promoting your, you know, promoting your brand and you're trying to trying to push out considerable PR. And then your, your gen your your CEO can't, you know, find his fanny with two hands. I just I just it's just crazy. It's really it's one of these case studies. I think that just it it, it 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 should be memorialized somewhere and somehow. I'm considering actually. And if anyone wants to join, putting together a bit of a case study, a little a little less, you know, um, and a little less enthusiastic than how I'm communicating now, but a really like a case study, like you know, HBR does these things all the time, and it makes it very clear. And it and it and it's not only is it a good thing to memorialize because it's it's a real lesson, but it also it also is has a particularly when you have it in prominent magazines in prominent places. It's, it's a clarion call to others that, okay, this can't happen to you because it's already, you know, it's happened and the consequences will be worse for you if you're not following, you know, following the plan.
1: And I want to highlight something that you just brought up because I think it's really important. In part, it sounded to me like you were saying that in situations where you are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to make your company look good, To not have um, a a airtight crisis, rapid response uh, plan of action that has been regularly, um, you know, walked through by your leadership team and to have a credible, well-spoken spokesperson who can take the heat and handle and lead from the front in a situation like that is a recipe for disaster.
2: Correct. And taking the heat is the, yeah, the operative. He wasn't able, obviously, to take the literally and figuratively.
1: Yeah, wasn't. absolutely.
0: And and ergo, you had your recommendation for what should happen to him. Um, but, yeah. but this I, is, I, I don't you're, you're a, thinking it's not going to end well for him uh, from a corporate standpoint.
2: I, for two reasons. First, I mean, his, his incompetence in dealing with a situation, I don't want to say it's predictable because I, I that's horrible, I, but these things do happen is incompetence in the in the context of that that scale of, of tragedy. You would, you would think that, that that the CEO of all people would be the one who really, whether or not he or she is the one who is the face of the of the you know crisis, would have a very, very sophisticated understanding of exactly what needs to happen and who mm-hmm. needs to own what and how you activate and then how you communicate over and over and again and very visibly exactly what you're doing. None of that happened. Um, And so I don't know how you, in good faith, and in even in the context of Norfolk's very injured brand, almost mortgaged brand, um, you keep on an Alan Shaw, as well-intended as he may have
1: been. My question is this. We we see fall guys all the time in situations like this. Like... um, The ERCOT in Texas after the 2021 winter storm, they didn't wait. That board fired that CEO within weeks. I mean, gone. And why is Alan Shaw still there? What do you think is the reason behind that?
2: I I, I say this advisedly because I don't want to be, I don't want to suddenly find somebody knocking on my door. The board is just not doing its job. They just are not doing their job. Candidly. Yeah. So it's
1: it's a governance issue. We've seen it. Yeah.
2: We've seen it in other situations where that person has moved out on, on matters, crisis matters far less consequence. Like, you know, there, nobody's injured. It's just, it could be a reputational issue or it could be a fraud issue. And, and they're moved out, not, not because they were guilty of the fraud, but they didn't do anything about it. Um, and they were moved out within, you know, 48 hours. And so,
1: so what's your prediction? How long he got?
2: How long does he have? I, I think he's out by the end of March. I think they have to do, I mean, I, I mean it should be earlier, but the end of they, the North the Southern board and needs to be very clear that, that this needs to happen
1: mm-hmm. that
2: we, that, uh, uh, a, a, their size, their scale, the, what they're transporting, it's just it's un it's it's borderline illegal to allow somebody of with that in level of incompetence as a leader in, in crisis to still be around.
0: I have to say, I was yeah. hoping you were going to tell us what you really thought this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, all kidding aside, no, you I now think, have yeah, authored should... you've authored my favorite new line, which is parade of incompetence. And I'm hoping people that are listening to this podcast don't think that what we're doing right now is a parade of incompetence. So uh, go, go gentle on us, if you would. Harlan Loeb from Argyle Consulting, you are amazing. We love having you on this program and your insight is always invaluable. Don't you think, Eileen?
1: Absolutely. You guys are very nice. Fascinating conversation. You obviously conversation. got, you obviously got just my, my, my large
0: check, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep no. it going. We'll keep it going. Well, listen, we appreciate everybody listening and that's another edition of Can You Hear Me? I'm
1: Rob Johnson. And I'm, I'm Eileen Rochford and we thank you guys for listening yet again. And remember you can find, can you hear me wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, and more.